Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Say Say is October 5th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, it's going to be the recap of the game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Miami Dolphins. So, to get right into this recap, the Miami Dolphins lost to the Seahawks by a score of 31-23. The Dolphins fall to 1-3. The Seahawks, on the other hand, remain undefeated 4-0 and arguably the hottest team in the entire NFL. Now, if I had to describe the Dolphins' performance in one word, last week I used the term surgical to describe Ryan Fitzpatrick's performance offensively. But for this game, in one word, I would say it's, you know, uh, it's okay. You know, with a little question mark at the end, it was just okay. The thing about being okay, though, is it's not enough. Being okay can get you some wins against easy teams or maybe a win with some luck involved. But at one point in this game, it was winnable for the Dolphins. And if they were anything more than just okay, it could have been a different story. But overall, you know, the team wasn't decimated like they were against the New England uh, Patriots, and they weren't, you know, dominated like they were against Buffalo. But there were still plenty of plays in this game where, which were flat-out discouraging plays that you can't be making against a team like Seattle and being expecting to win. You know, I will say a little disclaimer, though. I'm aware, you know, the team is rebuilding. I don't think many people expected the Dolphins to head into this game and beat the Seattle Seahawks and you know it is a growing process they're obviously not at their peak yet so take that into consideration when I am you know criticizing certain parts the issues I do have problems with though are the veterans or the guys that were seen as leaders or additions that can make an impact immediately not living up to the standard that I was kind of expecting them to have so to get back into it uh, this was one of those rare weeks where I think my expectations were pretty spot on if you read my previous the three main expectations I had was one, that Russell Wilson would have an easy day. Uh, two, there would be a ton of big plays made by Seattle. And three, Devontae Parker would feast. And you're going to see how all those kind of uh, played out in this game. So the main headline here to begin was that Ryan Fitzpatrick's performance was a little bit lackluster. After his best game against the Jacksonville Jaguars last week, he came out here and he, you know, flat out looked sloppy. He finished the game 315 yards two interceptions and he did have one rushing touchdown towards the tail end of the game so if you hear those stats 315 yards two picks and a rushing touchdown you may be thinking well statistically that doesn't sound too bad but there were a ton of other errors and mistakes across the board and to go over them you know first things first he threw his first interception uh, he was hit as he threw it it was also deflected before it was caught his second interception was just something that was mind-boggling to me he threw to Isaiah Ford who had three defenders between him and the ball. Then there was a play in the first quarter. I might have been on the first or second drive. He threw to Preston Williams, and it should have been intercepted, but it was dropped. Then later on in the game, he was what looked like a touch pass away from connecting with Isaiah Ford on a touchdown, but instead of throwing it with, you know, a nice little bit of touch, it seemed like he threw a bullet pass, and it should have been intercepted by the linebacker underneath, but it was also dropped. And then he had an illegal forward pass pass on a third and three play there was just way too many errors uh, by Ryan Fitzpatrick in this game and it was a game that at times seemed winnable for the Dolphins you have to be wondering if he was you know 
playing up to the standard that we have seen or some of his better games, do the Dolphins come away with a win in this game? Now, as for the offensive line, man, they, I mean, they did a good job again for Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was only sacked once, and I will say he didn't have as much time to throw as Russell Wilson, which I will discuss when I talk about the defense, but he was very well protected, and it's another week of just consistency from this offensive line. Young group of guys out here, Austin Jackson left the game for a bit, came back, and they just look sound. They look like a good group of offensive linemen, and I'm pretty confident in their ability moving forward when you take into consideration who they have played so far this season. Now, Devontae Parker, now in my expectations preview, I said uh, that he was going to feast. Well, he did in fact feast in this game. 10 catches, 110 yards. He was targeted 12 times in this game, and he was exclusively, it looked like, catching balls on either slant routes or in routes. It really seems like making that cut towards the inside is Devontae Parker's go-to move, and it seems like defenders really struggle to beat him uh, when it comes to getting inside. Now, Isaiah Ford, uh, he also had a very pronounced role in this game. He was targeted 10 times. He only came down with four catches, though, 48 yards, and he had this very big uh, contested third down catch, which was very nice. Now, as for the running game here for the Dolphins, uh, it was a bit of a drop-off, I would say, from the previous weeks. I wouldn't be too alarmed. Uh, if you remember how I talked about the Seahawks contained Ezekiel Elliott really well. They contained Sony Michelle, Todd Gurley, Cam Newton. They have been doing pretty good against the run, so I'm not too worried about that. Gaskin had 40 yards and 22 receiving yards. Uh, Matt Breida had one of his better days. He had 39 yards receiving, including this big 26-yard reception. He really was able to show in this game what he's able to do when he gets in some open space. Um, in the fourth quarter, when the game was still close, the Dolphins had, for some reason, elected to turn to Jordan Howard for a few plays. He had two carries for two yards in this game. And to me, there is just no scenario, you know, outside of a short yard situation where I think Jordan Howard should be on the field. And even then, even in a short yard situation, I think I would still rather have Miles Gaskin at this point. And that's just how I feel about Jordan Howard. Now, this is the part where more of the frustration is going to come out. It's going to be the defensive side of the ball. Russell Wilson, he finishes game 360 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That sounds, you know, just about where he should be. Uh, but Tyler Lockett in this game, finished the game only 39 yards receiving. He had zero catches up until the fourth quarter but even then it didn't even matter the Dolphins gave up too many big plays and I had that in my expectations Lockett had a catch for 30 yards Med uh, Metcalf had a catch for 37 David Moore with 19 seconds left in the first half had a 57 yard catch that led to a touchdown before the end of the half uh, you know Metcalf would finish the game 106 yards on four catches David Moore 95 yards on just three catches Stuff like that cannot be happening. You cannot be giving up big chunk plays like that at that kind of frequency to these receivers and expect to win. Now, on that mess that was the final drive before the end of the first half, uh, it appeared that Noah Igbenogany was lined up on David Moore. Now, the coach's film is not viewable yet. 
so it's hard to see what the exact responsibilities were on that play. And, you know, as I watch it again, I'll be able to discuss it more in depth and see what really happened. But all I could see was that Noah Igbenogany was lined up on David Moore. Next thing you know, the camera pans over and he just made a huge play. So, you know, I can't place all the blame yet on Noah Igbenogany, but I will say whoever this play fell on potentially lost this game for the team. Now, there were other mistakes, though. Xavier Howard, uh, he missed a tackle on a screen to DK Metcalf. On that same play, Alandon Roberts took a horrible angle. That's the end of the story. DK Metcalf just ran away with it. Uh, Igbenogany tried playing Russell Wilson's eyes, only for Wilson to lob it right over his head into the corner for a touchdown to David Moore. And then nearly that same thing happened earlier in the game with Xavier Howard. Uh, Metcalf was right behind him, was trying to play underneath, and uh, Russell Wilson just lobbed it right over him. Now that's some, you know, good amount of criticism. So I'm going to get into some positivity here. Uh, Xavier Howard, he had a wonderful interception in the end zone. Uh, he has interceptions now in back-to-back -back weeks, and I'm still not going to call him a shutdown corner. I think this year, uh, I still think he is lacking in shutting down his man, but he is definitely a ball hawk, and I don't want to downplay the importance of being able to get a turnover, especially when a guy like Xavier Howard it seems like he makes so many of these turnovers when teams are in the red zone. So that is incredibly clutch, and I'm not, I don't want to downplay how important it is to get a clutch turnover like that. Now, while some of the blame here you know, that I was talking about, it falls on the secondary, Wilson had all day to throw the ball. The Dolphins might as well have dropped all 11 men into coverage when they were sending a four-man rush because it was not affecting Russell Wilson at all when they had four guys going for the quarterback. Now, when the Dolphins were blitzing a linebacker or when when they sent Bobby McCain, it seems like they had good success with that, that they were able to force Russell Wilson to move around or get to get the ball out early or make a bad decision. But the four-man rush in this game for the Dolphins, it didn't even make a dent. It really seemed like it wasn't bothering Russell Wilson in the slightest bit. Uh, Chris Carson, the running back for the Seahawks in this game, he finished with 100 total yards and two touchdowns. Now, this is a guy who I wasn't sure he was even going to be 100% in this game, but he hurdled Noah Igbenogany at one point, so I think that goes to show that he is okay. Uh, Landon Roberts, again, I just want to mention, he looks completely lost on a lot of these running plays or, uh, you know, covering his running back in the passing game. He really does look completely lost, and he has frankly been, uh, you know, next to Jordan Howard with one of the more disappointing veteran acquisitions for this team uh, to me so far. Now, Kyle Van Noy uh, is, my opinion, the best linebacker on this team right now right now, but even then, only he can do so much, and then generally speaking, uh, Van Noy included, Roberts included, uh, it seems like the Dolphins' front is undersized, like Carson is getting hit by these linebackers, but it takes almost every single time multiple people to bring him down, so he was just racking up these yards after contact, and anytime he was getting hit, there was just a good possibility he was going to be getting a few extra yards on it, so I really do think the Dolphins need uh, you know, some sort of force, either at the defensive line or at the linebacker position, somebody who could be more of a traditional linebacker and really stop the
the run. And it kind of hurts because Raekwon McMillan could have been that guy. I know there were all the reports that he wasn't going to make the team. And I'm not saying that the Dolphins made a mistake, but it definitely kind of hurts when it seems like having a guy that had his skill set would be a benefit on this team. Now, to get into my takeaways really quick, the first one is going to be uh, that I think Tua's time might actually be kind of near because Flores has been saying since day one he will play whoever gives him the best chance to win. And another performance like this from Fitzpatrick, you know, it will be hard to make the argument against not putting Tua in there. Uh, the offensive line, I think, looks good enough to protect him, so I don't think that's a factor. I know that was a big uh, argument being made that we can't send Tua out there with a bunch of young guys at the offensive line and he's going to get hurt. I don't think that's an issue anymore. I don't think they could use that excuse. I think if Fitzpatrick continues to play poorly, then Flores may say that, you know, Tua gives us the best chance to win, and if he's truly going to abide by that, then we might actually see Tua pretty soon. Uh, my next takeaway is that Miami desperately needs another receiver. You know, having three very good receivers seems to be the standard right now in the NFL. I mean, I look at the Cowboys, and they're the most obvious example with Gallup, with Amari Cooper, with CeeDee Lamb. But then even in a game against the Seahawks like this, where you can neutralize Tyler Lockett completely, and they still get really good production out of DK Metcalf and out of uh, David Moore to the extent that they could dominate a game like that, it makes me think. And with every week that passes for the Dolphins, the hype I had for Preston Williams goes down and that really pains me to say that and then Mike Gesicki he had that great game two weeks ago but now over the past two games he has two catches for 30 yards Devontae Parker continues to prove that he is the man but he can't be the only reliable target on a week-to-week basis for this team now my last takeaway is just to remember where the team is at. Because even now, in my tone, I can sense that there was a lot of frustration. And I tell, I could tell there's a lot of frustration among all Dolphin fans. It, there always is with a loss. And you're definitely, you know, in your right to feel frustrated. But just remember, this is a team that is still, you know, they're not at their peak just yet. And if you look at the Houston Texans, they're 0-4. The Dolphins have their first and second round pick. And even if the Dolphins aren't the greatest, they're going to have even more ammunition for this upcoming draft and then you're really gonna see a team that is potentially loaded in the future I think this is all part of the process and that there are a ton of small victories that you can still kind of cling on to I look at Miles Gaskin that is something that brings me a ton of joy I look at the offensive line that's probably the best thing that has come out of the 2020 season for the Dolphins and then once two is out there we might have you know some more of these little victories that aren't necessarily re- uh, you know, represented and reflected in the win column. So just remember where we are at. And, you know, you're totally within your right to feel frustrated. As I mentioned, having a ton of veteran free agents that you expected to come out here and be making an impact, just kind of, you know, look lackluster. It is frustrating. So that is how I'm going to wrap up this episode, guys. As always, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at via the source. If you'd like to follow my personal account, you can do so. That is at Shady Steven. Uh, if you could leave a review on the Apple Podcast app, that would mean a lot. It would be a tremendous help for me. And if you have any questions or topics that you would like for me to discuss, uh, if you'd like for me to look at a certain play in particular or look at uh, you know a certain player's performance, I would be glad to do so and discuss it in future episodes. But guys, that's how I'm going to wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso, and this was Via the Source.